Good evening, KVHSM. How are you doing? Sweet, sweet. If you're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, and we exist as a body to uh, really equip you, to disciple you, to live and love like Jesus. And that's why we're here today. And so as we jump into our text this evening, we've been going through a series of rhythms for our day-to-day life as believers, things that help us walk forward or run the race that God has called us to. So I invite you this evening, if you do not have a Bible and you need one, just put up your hand. We have some in the back we can give to you. If not, if you have a smart device, you can just boot it up, you know, turn it on, whatever, all those things. And then we'll jump into the text this evening. And it'll be a series of texts, so I would encourage you to take notes. If you don't, uh, if you're not a note taker, this is your opportunity to grow in that Uh, Here's another thing for us to note for this evening. There's some things that I circled in my text for this evening, and I do this specifically to show you how I study in hopes that you would say, oh my gosh, that's how that point makes sense and how those things connect. And so I'm hoping that in you guys seeing those underlines or the circles or whatever, uh, even though sometimes they're not really circling the actual word, they're like crossing through it weirdly because that's how I do it in my own Bible. That's how you guys would learn how to study as well as one of the ways. So what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to hand this ball to this guy because he plays baseball. Good catch. Thank you. Um, And I'm going to allow the Lord to lead us. Can I pray? Is that okay? Cool. All right. Lord, thank you for this evening. I ask that as we jump into this text, Lord God, learning about what it means to be a part of community, be part of small groups, that you open our hearts, Lord God, uh, just incline them, Lord God, to to your truth, Lord God, uh, and allow us, Lord God, to see you and to trust you with our very lives, Lord God, in context of community. In In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Amen. Ooh, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. So we're talking about, again, community and specifically for our case, small groups. Now, uh, like I said before, we as Calvary HSM exist to build disciples who live and love like Jesus. And every single one of you have a part. What I'm trying to convince you of tonight is that you being in a small group is one for you to bless others, okay, 100%, right? Your presence is a present wherever you are called, wherever you're, say, wherever you're sitting in this room. You're a blessing to someone next to you. Uh, you're singing, even though it's off-key, encourages other people. Like, like you're being in a small group, even people knowing all the things going on in your life and you still showing up is encouraging to other people too. It's a place for you to receive help, to receive safety, to receive care, to ask questions, to navigate this life with other people who live and love like Jesus. So those are the two things we're going to be exploring this evening. And you not being in a small group is as triggering as this next image. Have you guys ever had like these family, uh, depending on what family you come from, right? Every year, and I lived with a family uh, a few years back when I first came back to the States, and every New Year's they would have a puzzle-making like party for lunch. And everyone would come over and, you know, make the puzzles, whatever, and then one person, just that one person, that one person, dirty guy, would have the last piece of the puzzle and just hold on to it. And then when everyone's gone, you're like, where's the, where's the piece? Whatever, you like, go do other stuff, we'll come and put it in last. The, the annoying thing is this. You not being in a small group is kind of like that image. You, you, like you, you don't complete the body. You are a part of this body. You are key to completing this image that God has for his people. And so you being in a small group is key and important to everyone's growth. But this only works... Being in a small group, being in a community only works if you have these three things. If you have honesty, 
right? Honestly, honesty is the biggest part. Being open and real with one another and the Lord. Otherwise, you're just showing up and eating people's snacks. Let's be real. Like, that's what's happening, right? And maybe you might, you might pop some pills of scriptures to help you through the week. But ultimately, the point of you being in this group is to be honest, is to seek advice in that humility, in that honesty, to gain that from the word of God through scripture. See, all these people who have decided to give of their time on, on Tuesdays and Wednesday evenings to sit with you, or when myself or Drew or JD and all these people get together to meet you for coffee or drop by your work or whatever to encourage you, we're, we're hoping to use the word of God. We're not pulling out Dr. Phil statements. Does that make sense? Like we're not pulling stuff from some self-help book. This comes from the word of God. And so in the small group, our hope is that you are honest, you seek this advice because not all of us have the answers, and then you use the authority of scripture to build you up. And our next scripture here on, on the screen is going to be this in Acts 11.26. It says in Acts 11.26 that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. In Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians. Now, the word disciple you'll find throughout the Bible, right? And we've, we've said this openly, that we are making disciples. And disciple, first of all, could mean believer, period, right? That we're making people who are believers, right? Who follow this God, who trust this God, who walk with this God. But we're also making people who are Christ-like. Actually, those two words in this context are synonymous. Disciples and Christians are the same thing. You can't separate one from the other. There's no half Christian or I'm a partial Christian. It doesn't exist. We are fully in. And the Bible says that discipleship, or the word disciple rather, uh, means to be a disciplined learner. Now, some of us in this room want to be uh, baseball players or soccer players, or you want to be lawyers, or you want to own your own business. You have someone whom you're looking forward to, who you're focusing on. And if I asked you right now who your favorite rapper is, you'd probably say me, I know, from summer camp. But the point is this, right? The point is this, like, you have all these people you're looking forward to, who you aspire to, because they are an image of who you want to be. And you become disciples of those people. And so what happens is, people who have those desires will take time watching YouTube. For me, uh, it was a guy on YouTube called Peter McKinnon. This is like back in 2012 or something like that. All people who do video, photography, whatever, were like, oh my gosh, I love Peter McKinnon, whatever. And so I watched all these videos to the point where I ended up buying the Canon 1DX Mark II for those who are like camera freaks like me. Like that was my jam. And so I have this camera because of this guy. Literally, I have followed in his footsteps. Ultimately, what we're doing is not to follow in the footsteps of a man, but the man God, the God man, Jesus Christ. We want to be disciples of him. It's said that of people who are disciples of the Pharisees, that you'd want to walk so close to the back end of your teacher, so much so that the dust from his walking would get onto you. Like you want to be the same person as the person you're following. And that's why we take all this care to not just background check, fingerprint, whatever, but also care for your leaders. Your leaders who are caring for you are also cared for. See, they are, are a, we are literally a community of growing disciples who make disciples. And so know that this call that you're in or being a part of is going to be put on you at some point in life, that you are also called to make disciples. It says this in Acts uh, chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, what happens is the church is born. Literally, like this is the first birth of the church. And not one, two, three, but 3,000. How many? 
3,000 people get saved, which is wild. That's insane. One person goes up and says, you killed Jesus, you're a sinner, you need to repent. And all these people, like, that's like, wow. And, and they all repent, and they all trust Jesus, 3,000 people. And what do they do? They then make, go ahead and make small groups, which is insane. Because the common like, excuse for people in our context, like Calvary, for example, would, people would say, the church is too big. How can I meet people? And yet, in the context of one day, 3,000 people getting saved, all these people jumped into small groups? So what excuse do you really have? Honestly, I feel sometimes that the barrier for people jumping into small groups is, oh, I feel awkward. Or, you know, I, the, the reality is, I don't know if people will accept me. But trust me, these people in this room are here to walk with you. Look around to your left real quick. Look to your left. Look to your left. Look to your right. Look to the left. Look to the right. This is really, any, just kidding. Right, the point is, like, as you look at these people in this room, all these humans, all these people in this space are a group of people who are imperfectly perfect. The Bible says we are the people who are, who are uh, holy and being made holy. They're all on a journey together, and no one is judging each other. We're living and loving like Jesus with one another. It says that these people did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And as they did that, like they gathered, if you guys watched our first small group video, the question was, or the main question was, what is your small group snack game like, right? This has been a question all the way back then. Like back in the day of Pentecost, these guys were getting together and throwing down, not a Trader Joe's, right? But they had their like whatever food and got together and ate and enjoyed together. There's something about Christians and food that's just like synonymous even in scripture. So they got together, listened to teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And when I think about signs and wonders, and I don't know what comes to your mind, sometimes I think about legs growing out. I think about how uh, maybe someone who was dead comes back to life. Literally this happened to my, my father while he was uh, at, at a, a funeral with, with one of our, our pastors. And some of you guys have heard this story before, but what's happening is he's not even like praying for uh, someone to rise from the dead. What had happened was, this group of people uh, who were part of this lady's small group, uh, this lady had, had just converted from Islam to Christianity, and they joined to be with her, to support her, to pray for her, and she'd asked if one of the pastors would do uh, the funeral. And he's up there just preaching the gospel, right? And this guy who was dead comes back to life. He was dead, dead, not like alive. He was dead, dead, all right? You're tracking? Like, he came back to life. And all these miracles are happening. But I think more so that the greatest miracle, if you've been reading and tracking with us, uh, through the book of John, John 21, I see, in, I believe it's John, uh, John chapter 12 or John 11, where we have Lazarus rise from the dead. Like the biggest testimony that God does in the lives of people amongst his saints is actual people who had no life, who had no hope, having hope. And in these small groups, you have a renewal of that hope. Imagine a miracle where anxiety you used to have no longer has a hold on you because you have a safe space and you have people who can hold and walk life with you. That's what happens in these small groups. It says in the next scripture, and all who believed, all these believers, these believers who hold on to Jesus were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions. It's one thing to be like, hey, we're together in this small group and we kind of like each other, Right? But you get together and you sell things that are of value to you so your brother can have a better life. 
so your brother can be together with you, so you can walk fully in what God has called you to. These people laid down what they saw was valuable. And for some of you, you may be like, I'm not trying to sell the things my parents gave me. I'll get, I don't know what happens at your house, discipline. They use that word, right? But like, like you, you don't want to do that. But for some of you, your sacrifice is going to be like your time in your training for sports. Or for some of you, your sacrifice is a little later night for some of you. Or your sacrifice would be like, I'm going to do my homework earlier. Or whatever that may look like. But you lay those things down so other people could see and savor Jesus because, again, your presence is a present. It says they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved as these believers loved one another. Because what's interesting is people get to know what you're doing. They'll be like, oh, on Tuesday nights, she's a small group. What small group? Oh, my gosh, it's this thing. And then, like, every week? Yes. For the school year? Yes. What drives you to go there? And you have an opportunity now to share what happens in this small group. That's what's happening here. People saw and heard what was happening, and it says they had favor with all the people. See, Christians, the Bible says that they will know that we are Christians because we have love one for another. Their love was so evident that people saw it and said, I want to be a part of that. And it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So far we've learned by, by you just coming and being present and living and loving like Jesus in community that people get saved, that you receive hope, you receive wholeness. Like this is not something that you have to twist someone's arm to receive. This is a free gift and this is what happens in the proximity of small group C. What happened is that they begin to know one another and to understand one another. And I kid you not, there's guys in my small group, which I'll just know from their body, like just their body posture, like, oh, something's up. Why? Because proximity builds intimacy. The more you spend time with people, you spend time close with one another, you get to know who they are and how they are. So much so that all, even things like body language or a sigh or a look, all those things literally communicate where they are in their relationship. And so you want to... Jump into a space where people know you and love you. See, most arguments that people have in, in relationship is this. If you've heard people argue, they'll say, you don't understand me. You don't know, like, you're not hearing where I'm coming from. But what happens in this context is this. You have proximity and people get to know who you are intimately. Our next verse is in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. It talks about our hearts. And many of us have heard this statement said, Trust your heart, right? Trust, let, like, trust, trust your heart. But the Bible tells us this, that the heart is deceitful above all things. Above all things. It's the sketchiest, like, homie in your body, your heart. Like, your desires are just off. And he says that, who can understand it? He says, only the Lord can do so. What happens in the context of community is that you have a people who know you intimately enough to be like, hey, like, you're, you have a track record of, like, just dating, 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 dating. Maybe you need to pause. Or, hey, you have a track record of, like, you always come late for a small group. Like, maybe, bro, you need to, like, you know? So people get to know all the intricate parts of who you are and are able to effectively help you walk through it because they're intimate and close with you. And no one who is wise, and the biblical wise person in the book of Proverbs, is someone who lives life with Jesus. The person who is a, bib a biblical fool is one who rejects 
the wisdom of Jesus. And it says this in Proverbs, that let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, who understands obtain guidance. This is a space where we're able to learn who we are and learn how to walk with the fullness that God wants us to in the context of community. See, our identity is really formed in these small groups. Some of us are truly, truly trying to figure out who we are. Are we really a jock? Are we really like, do I really want to play like water polo? Like, do I really want to be like, like, a, like a scientist? Is this my jam? Like, it's like, nah, you really don't want to do that. We've been hearing you talk about this for a while. You really want to make art. Like, they, I'm not saying that you don't have a, a, your own identity that you can form it, but it's a safe community where all those things are grown and formed because these people know you and see you and love you. And so it says in Proverbs 3, 7 that we are to be a people who are not wise in our own eyes, but we fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's in this context of being around healthy, and I say the word healthy community, that we're able to turn away from evil and to trust God. Because some of us have community and friends and people where Cussing is a normal thing. This is just a good example, right? Just cussing is a normal thing. And for you, if you're around these people so much so, you almost have no issue with this. Why? Because it's a normal part of your life. Like these people are intimately connected to these F-bombs or whatever it is. Like this is just a normal part of who they are. But there was one summer night where Aaron Kajumba happened to be the DJ. And I don't know how this happened, but... Aaron being Aaron, played some song, and I had no idea I had an explicit word in it. And here we are jamming, you know, sorry, you guys you dance, like, you dance like this, never mind. Yeah, so you're like, you're just like, everyone was like jumping straight up and down like pogo sticks and you know, AKA dancing. And like, dude, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I, I can roast you because you guys roast me too, it's all good. Uh, so what's happening was like, we were all dancing, whatever, and then someone in that song dropped an F-bomb, yo. Woo, it was hot, it was not good. Everyone in the room turned at the sound booth and they were like, Pastor Aaron. And I was like, you could just say Aaron, you didn't have to be Pastor Aaron. Like it was, and I was actually in that moment, two things were going on. I was like, oh, I'm deeply ashamed at this moment, right? And that's well-placed shame because you should feel shame when you've sinned against someone, right? In that case, I'd sinned against people, right? And you should feel that. But also, I felt very proud. Why? Because we've generated a community of people who are sensitive to the weight of words and their meaning, and they don't want to live that way. Like, ultimately, you're, you've been in intimacy with Jesus or have seen it with us in some way, shape, or form that you're like, hey, like, this is not an acceptable thing to live by. And you began to fear the Lord and honor who he is. This discipleship allows us to sit at the feet of wisdom and to learn from it. And you'd learn. See, in this context of small group, you have an opportunity to hear from uh, uh, people who have had so many different life experiences, so different from you. Some of these people who lead our small groups have been to YWAM, which is like youth with a mission, have lived across the world. Some of these people who are, uh, uh, are leading these small groups are married people. Like these are people who have spanned through like different areas of life and you have an opportunity to gain that wisdom from them. Where else are you going to have that? Like, are you going to sit down with your teacher and talk about, like, how to, like, work through, like, your anxiety? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. 
But I think the safer space for that to happen would be in the context of people who live and love like the Lord and are able to walk that through with you. It's said in the next scripture here, as we see uh, Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but um, there's context where, like, my brother and I, like, had such a close bond in our unity that I knew I could depend on him for anything, like anything. My friends, I'm tired. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, this is going on. But my brother was built for all the hard and difficult times. These people in this small group become more than just like people you meet. This discipleship situation gives us a family. It gives us a a group of people that we can lean on and rely on and trust in the middle of adversity. And when my brother passed away, it was my adult small group. See, I'm in a a space where I'm uh, uh, leading a small group of high schoolers, but I'm also in a small group with adults, right? So I myself, I'm in a context where I'm also learning and being discipled and then pouring that out to someone else. And I would hope that would be the model for many of us in this space, that we're not just in a space, we're also leading people to Jesus. And so what happened was these group of people, both both high schoolers and my adult small group were present, were texting me, were like making sure I was okay. They're built for adversity. This is the blessing of community. And I'd hope that as we talk about this, you are attracted to the truth that these people are, are again, imperfect people who are being made perfect by Jesus and they're seeking to love one another. And what these people did in in that season was help me bear the burden. They helped me walk through my grief. They helped me walk through my sorrow. And it kind of like Galatians 6, 2, it says that we are to bear one another's burdens and in, in, in doing so, fulfill the law of Jesus. We bear one another's burdens. We carry our issues with one another. This is not a space where you come and gossip and your, your business goes everywhere else. It doesn't work like that. This is a safe space for you to talk and to be real and to be honest and have healing. It says of Job, and Job is a clear example of this, of a person who his friends came to his aid. Now, later on, his friends like went yappa, 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 just said all kinds of random stuff. Like They just talked all the things, like you know? But their first initial response, their first like space in the middle of Job's issues was to come and just be present. And sometimes for many of us, our, our, our issues don't need to be fixed. This is the difference, the difference between sympathy and empathy. See, sympathy is when you're like, double tap, it's going to be okay. You guys have had that before? Like someone's just like, double tap. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks, whatever. You know? Empathy is getting in the hole with someone. Like you feel it with someone and you want to be there with them. And that's what happens in the context of small groups. And what happened with Job is this. His friends came to him. It says this in uh, the book of Job. And Job, his, his, his house had fallen on his children, and they're dead. All his land has been burned up. All his crops are burned up. Raiders came and took all of his, of his crop. And then you have, finally, his wife is left behind, and she's just there nagging him, telling him to curse God and die. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying to him. And so he has boils on his body. He's in extreme pain. 
And his friend says this, says this that Job, now, then, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Everyone took time out of their schedule. This is what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday. Everyone takes time out of their schedule. Elphias, probably not a guy in your small group or whatever, the Temanites, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Nath- Namathites, they made an appointment together to come and show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, meaning they already knew who he was and his nature and his posture of his heart, maybe how his face would look when he's angry or sad. They did not recognize the normal him. In the other version, it says they saw that he was not himself. They saw, have you gone to school and walked around and no one even cares that you have a sad look on your face? Like you're carrying the weight of your like, like depression in inside of you and no one even knows because they don't know you intimately enough to catch those things in you? This is what happens in small group. These people know you intimately so they can care for you. And they saw that. It says they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground. How long? One day, two days, three days? No, seven days for the long haul. They were there with him. And seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. Sometimes the context of our small group is just to be there with us. Just to be there with us to be present with us, to sit through adversity with us, to be our family. And for many of us, you might find that your family, people you're even closer to, are people in your small group because you're more honest. Now, I would hope and encourage your honesty will go beyond that space. But this is a great first place for you to have that relationship with people who love Jesus. See, these small groups are built to encourage us. And also, these small groups are built to disciple us in purity. When I say purity, you might think ultimately this is something that has to be with our sex or whatnot. Purity is a whole thing. It's your whole body. It's your walk. It's holiness with God. Like, it's, it's how you walk with Jesus. And what happens is as you struggle and walk through different things in life, these people in your group are going to help you walk together with you. It's said in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toll. For if they, fall, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he's, he falls and has not another to lift him up. Now, this is my story, right? Uh, because I, I've spent, I spent a long time uh, like doing wild stuff, like really wild stuff. Basically sleeping with prostitutes and all this crazy stuff. Like I used to watch a ton of porn, okay? This is your pastor right here. Like this is full disclosure, right? This is where I was. Because my mind was so warped on all that stuff, I needed help outside of myself. Does that make sense? Like, because I couldn't help myself. Like, I was a slave to those desires. And so what I would do is I would be honest in my small group, honest with men of God, honest with people who could speak to me and say, hey, like, how are you doing with that? Like, how many days has it been? Like, and this may be awkward in the room for you, but you, yo, I'm free. This is different. Like, this is, this is what happens as you get into this space where if you're really wanting to be free of whatever addiction it is, you have healthy, and again, the word is healthy accountability to help you walk those things out. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, you have people who will be active to check in on you. Be like, hey, for me, it's right after my practice where I start feeling low. 
make it a practice. Can we start calling homie at like 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever to make sure they're okay? Like it's on my way back home that I feel anxious because I have a long drive from work. Like you have the opportunity and the blessing of community to come alongside you, to equip you to live and love like Jesus because again, two are better than one. We are to be in Hebrews 3.13, a people, which says this, who exhort each other, not just once, but one another every day as long as it's called today. How many todays do you think we have? Many, right? So it's like, as long as it's today, let's exhort one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's do that uh, uh, intentionally. And as the worship team comes up, can I have that ball back? You got it right there? Thank you. Whoa, look at that. Praise God. It would not fit in my pocket. It was super awkward. You're a hero. Thank you. Uh, when I think about baseball and this, this like, little baseball ball, I remember this uh, game uh, or movie called Angels in the Outfield. Did you ever watch that movie? It's like a throw, like throwback. Like, you should have left it back there, but they threw it back anyway. Like, it's a really old, old movie. But the beauty of this movie is that these people were, like, playing this game alongside these, these angels. Potentially, that was the story of the, you know, the movie. And they came, helped them win the game, whatever. And it's in a sense that we are, we are called to be like those like spirits, ministering spirits, like those angels, that we come alongside one another to encourage each other. And at the end of this movie, what happens is like they realize that the game was actually won by the people playing. We're here to strengthen one another, to help each other, to walk it through. At the end of the day, this mission that God has called us to is a mission of discipleship. Every single one of us in this space is called to encourage one another, to build one another up, to be there for that space of encouragement. And it said this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as we think about our small groups and think about this opportunity, that this mission is a discipleship mission. It's a teaching mission. It's a mission of example. It's a mission of self-sacrifice. And Jesus tells these people as he's ascending to heaven, he's about to go back to glory, and he says, and all, and Jesus came to and said to them, all authority in heaven. How much? How much? 10%? 20%? 100%, right? 200%, which is still 100%. Like, it's all of it. All of this authority has been given to who? To Jesus, right? All, and then he, what does he do? With that power, he says, go and make disciples. He sends you out. He sends me out. This God says, it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about me. And so you can have boldness to be humble. You can have boldness to push past the fear of how people will judge you because all authority has been given to Jesus. Ultimately, this mission is about you and Jesus. Like you are an active part of this discipleship, and it starts with your humility. You asking those questions, using the, the word of God in the context of community. And he says that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Some of you guys are going to go to wild places, places I've never even heard of, to go and make these disciples. But it starts with you being intentional about your relationship with Jesus in context of a small group. Here in Westlake, here in Newberry Park, here in Camarillo. Like, use all these opportunities to join a small group for you to grow, to be connected, and to mature in the way of the Lord. And it says this, that they will be a people who go around baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. Our confidence, our boldness to fulfill this mission is that Jesus is with us, that God is with us, that we don't have to have any fear for anything, be it our own lives. Because he said, those who trust in me will never die. That's what he says in the book of John. Those who trust in me will never die. My confidence in my, like, being willing to expose myself every time I preach or every time I jump into a small group and be honest with myself and people around me is because I know there's only one judge. There's only one savior. There's only one hope. And I would hope you would have that same confidence as you jump into these small groups. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the blessing of community that you've given us, Lord. And it's not just community for community's sake, Lord. It's for a, a space where we can learn to be honest with ourselves, with you, to learn how to love you, to follow you, to trust you with our very lives. And that it's a place where you meet us, Lord. You meet us in grace. You meet us in patience. You meet us with love. You meet us with mercy through these people, Lord God, these imperfect people who are being made perfect, Lord. I ask that you give us boldness, Lord, right now to shove off the, shove off the shame, to shove off the feeling that, that stops us from going into that space of discipleship, of small groups, Lord God. If it's a shame, Lord God, we shake it off. If it's a, a, a pride, Lord, help us shake it off, Lord. If it's, if, if it's, it's just the idea that, man, like people won't, won't accept you, Lord, help us shake that lie off. Help us believe the truth that you are a God who is for us, not against us. And you draw us into community, Lord God. And so give my brothers and sisters boldness to trust you and grow with you in small groups, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. And just me pray. Everybody said.